Queen for the Moon. I am Taylor Bledsoe. And I'm Maddie Henry. And on this podcast, we interview interesting people from a teenage perspective. That's right. And today, we'll be interviewing Dr. Angela Duckworth, who is the New York Times bestselling author of Grit and Professor of Psychology at Pennsylvania University. So, here's the interview. Welcome, Dr. Duckworth. It's great to have you on. Now, you are the very famous author of the book Grit, which taught all of the people in the public about grit and how to get it. You are also a professor at the University of Pennsylvania. So it's great to have you on. Thank you, Taylor. I'm really excited for our conversation. Yes, it's awesome. Now, could you just explain to our listeners um, and the general public who may be listening why you decided to study grit and what's the story behind that? When I was much younger than I am today, um, maybe around your age, um, I started to you know, ask myself, like, how smart am I, you know, compared to my brother, my sister, compared to my cousins who live in Boston, who my parents keep telling me are like smarter than, than any of us? Um, what about in my homeroom? And I came to the conclusion that I was definitely not the smartest person in my homeroom, in my family. And I wondered, you know, what am I going to be able to accomplish in my life? Like, what are the limits? And I came to study this quality called grit, passion and perseverance for long-term goals, because it's not the same as your innate ability. And yet it is really predictive of uh, of accomplishing uh, important things. So I study the psychology of effort and and all those things that when I was around your age, I decided like, well, that's, you know, that's maybe where I'm going to play. That, that's really ironic because you actually got the genius award um, or what its nickname <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Uh, for somebody who is much younger than I am, I just want to praise you for using the word irony correctly. <laughs> so, yes, that was a good example of irony because this award, which has this nickname of being the genius grant, um, ended up going to somebody whose dad kept telling her over and over again, you know, you're no genius. It is very ironic, but obviously not all the what everyone thinks of you about your IQ um, actually is what other people think of you. I think I find that very interesting. Now that have actually, you the, have you taken the SAT yet? I've taken um, versions, like the younger version of it. I'm yeah, not. Like yeah, I don't exactly know uh, what exactly I got, but. Yeah. Well, so um, at dinner last night, so my daughter is, uh, my younger daughter is 17. And we were talking about how, um, like she had done our SAT and then my dad was, or her dad, my husband was remembering how he had done. And I was remembering my scores. And she looked at us and she was like, I think it's kind of pathetic that you guys still remember your SAT scores. Like your, you know, like your life is more than half over. This is this is ridiculous. And and I had to agree with her. So it's not that I don't believe that these tests have some uh, function, but but I kind of like resent the obsession that you know all of us seem to have with you know what's your score and it it takes on this like towering importance. Like it you know becomes you know we think our destiny, but of course my husband and I are old enough to know that it is not. Yeah, that's that's very, um, very funny that a lot of the general public obsesses over these IQ scores and ACT scores and all the test scores. When, as your book states, a lot of it, one of the main qualities is grit really helps with um, your life and its achievement. So actually, that leads right into our next question. 
how does IQ relate to grit itself? Well, measures of uh, of IQ are not positively correlated with grit. In other words, usually a zero correlation, like they're totally independent. You know, if I know your SAT, ACT, or IQ score, I just have no idea whether you're high grit, low grit, or somewhere in between. And in some of my data, I find that they're inversely correlated, meaning that the higher your score on these cognitive tests, sometimes the lower your your grit score. Although, you know, of course there are exceptions. But I think the take home for all of us is that however we do on these tests, it, it tends to be pretty independent from our, you know, tendency to pursue long-term goals with with passion and perseverance. Yeah, yeah, I definitely find that very fascinating. I hope so. I really like that you guys are, you know, digging into psychology because I feel like one of the superpowers that you might develop in life is uh, like an understanding of human nature. Um, because, you know, whether you grow up to be a CEO or um, or or anything, really uh, like understanding human motivation and why people do what they do, not just grit, but, you know, other aspects of character, too, uh, can be really helpful. Yeah, that, um, that I definitely find that very fascinating. So as I was reading your book, um, you talked a lot about different people who developed grit and the cultures that they developed um, grit in. So one of the ones you said was the swimmers who get up at 5 a.m. and they swim in the freezing cold. I don't know. Well, I never swam before, really, like they do. Uh, but in the pool water, super early in the morning. And obviously, that's to everyone who's not a swimmer and doesn't do that. That seems insane. So what does culture relate to grit? Like, how does that, what's the correlation there? You know, when you think of something like, um, you know, grit, you think of the person who is gritty. And then if you have a mental picture, it's, there's like a, uh, like a blank screen and then there's a person, right? Maybe in silhouette. But actually, if you change that mental image to be a person who's gritty with all different people around them, right? Like I think we're mostly um, at our best when we're in teams, right? So if you think about how you accomplished this podcast, it wasn't just you. There were other people who were involved. And then of course you have this audience that's growing. And I think that we are our best as people when we're with each other. And these swimmers who get up at five in the morning and get to the pool, if you ask the question, like, hypothetically, could they do that day in, day out, you know, 365 days a year, if they were the only ones getting into the pool, like setting the alarm? No, they're not. And when they get to the pool, their teammates are there. And they're also like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I won. <laughs> like, you know, so I think, um, I think, I think my research, in fact, is going to go more and more towards, you know, thinking about how people change in groups, not when, you know, not not so much, you know, how they change um, all by themselves. Yeah, that I find that very fascinating that, um, you, you know, it's positive peer pressure. We've talked about that on our podcast, negative peer pressure. We've had advice to teenagers that's basically um, don't give in to negative peer pressure. But there's also that's a double edged sword. So there's also positive peer pressure. And I think a lot of people um, forget about that. Yeah, well, it's good to have somebody like you remind everyone because it's so true, right? Like if you just think peer pressure, what do you think? It's like, don't do drugs, don't smoke, right? Like don't do anything, uh, don't go on social media, right? But um, but peer pressure is just a feature of um, human experience. It, as you know, probably by now, but um, I'll say to those who are listening, biologically, when you go through adolescence, that is the transition from childhood to adulthood and all mammals, you know, all mammals, like 
like dogs and cats, they all have an adolescent period, right? And that transition has lots of things going on. But one of the things that goes on is that you become uh, more sensitive to peer um, opinion. Like, you know, you don't want to be unpopular. You don't want to be excluded. And that's partly because, um, you know, we have evolved that way from generations of um, of our history. So the bottom line is that it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. And I think the practical recommendation is that if I were you and I were thinking about, you know, November and December and, and how you're going to handle the next months and years ahead, I would think, who are my peers going to be? Because you will start to be a lot like your friends. And so you might want to be a little choosy when it comes to who you are spending time with. For sure. That's um, been, that I believe two people have recommended that advice. Like you are who your friends are was what one of um, our local interviews said. I find that very fascinating. So another, speaking of advice, we have, we've had several, um, like 18, maybe 20 or more guests that we haven't, that we've interviewed that we haven't always posted their interviews yet. And a lot of them, Dr. Alter, author of Irresistible, and a lot, almost all of our guests always recommend try lots of things to develop a passion. And that's very fascinatingly um, is one of the things that you have in your book. One of the ways you develop grit is by, well, trying lots of things. So what, what do you have to say about that advice that we keep? Uh, what do, you, do you agree with it or what are your thoughts on it? I do. And I think, um, I think that if you ask anybody who has, you know, whatever, you know, I can't even name all the jobs and and the jobs that people have are not the jobs that you learn about when you're in high school. Like you only learn about like doctor, lawyer, you know, CEO, but there are just millions of jobs. I mean, some people grow up to be midwives, like some people, you know, grow up to be like this particular thing that I can't even tell you because I don't even know what that job title is. So how do people find their way into these niches? Um, um, well, it, it's a it's a lot of sampling, and that's the term scientists sometimes use for this process by which you try stuff, and then either you like it and you want to go and do it more, or you like spit it out and you're like, bleh, don't want to do that. Hate sitting in a in a you know in a like windowless room all day. When I was in college, I thought I wanted to you know maybe be a uh, like biochemist, like a professor at a medical school who would like cure brain cancer or something like Alzheimer's. I was actually working in a lab that says Alzheimer's. And part of me wanted to do that. Like, I like science. I want to help people. But I really literally found that the smell and uh, the, like, the experience of being in this, like, windowless room for, like, 12 hours a day waiting around for my gels to, you know, get to the point where I could, like, take them. I was like, I do not want to do this anymore. And that was good. Like, so I think my advice to you is just like these other people have been saying, but when you do something like an internship or you shadow somebody for a day, or you have a quick conversation and you're like, wow, I don't want to do that. You should be happy because um, a lot of life is learning by process of elimination. That's great. So um, this is something that kind of kind of correlates with your book, but would you agree with the statement, you should never quit? Maddie, I do not agree with the statement, you should never quit. I quit piano when I was uh, even younger than you are right now. I was like, the world does not need another mediocre piano player <laughs> from New Jersey, right? Which is what I was. Um, and I quit French. Now I actually really like French, but like I, I, at one point when I was 23 and I was like, okay, 
the only way I can keep speaking French decently and get better is if I speak it a lot. And either I could do that or I could, you know, do more public service and tutoring and so forth. So I, I in a way, quit French. And that's that's an even more useful example because it's not like I stopped liking French. But I think you guys are going to quit. I mean, you're going to quit so many things um, because I think the 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 thing that you will always lack no matter however rich you get is time you only get 168 hours a week whether you're as rich as jeff bezos or as poor as a pauper so the reason why i think quitting is important is because you can't do everything um you might be able to do anything but you definitely can't do everything so quitting is useful don't quit on a bad day that's my major thing. Like, it's not that you should never quit, but I don't think you should quit on one of those days where you're just, you know, you're so full of self-doubt that you can't see clearly. If you are quitting on a good day, you're like, I won the game, everyone, thing, and I still don't like this, and you still want to quit, then probably quitting is the right thing. And when I quit piano, I quit on a good day. That's awesome. So these are the two questions that we ask all of our guests. The first one is, what books have had an impact on you and why? Um, I would say that the books that have had an impact on me are all memoirs. They're all people telling their own stories. So I guess they're autobiographies. And I think that we learn so much by, you know, kind of following along in somebody's life. And one I especially recommend to you that I'm literally looking at right now is um, is a biography of E.B. White, who wrote Charlotte's Web. And um, if you read that, you'll understand, you know, why he wrote Charlotte's Web and um, what Charlotte's Web really means. And anyway, memoirs are great and biographies are great too. That's really fascinating and definitely very unique, but those sound fascinating. We'll have to definitely check those out. Um, And so the last uh, question we have is, what advice do you have for teenagers? My advice for you is maybe to avoid one of the mistakes that I made, right? So um, when I went to college, I was just like you guys, super hardworking, really ambitious, but I did make a mistake and I only realized it at my 25th reunion. So the mistake was that with all that hard work and all that goal orientation that got me pretty far in life, I think I did not spend as much time as I needed to with friends. So when I got to my 25th reunion and I'm looking around and like everyone else is like just so happy to see their roommates who they stayed in touch with and, you know, they're like hugging. And I was like, wow, I don't have as many people to hug at my 25th reunion. I wish I could go back in time and spend a little less time on my projects and my activities and and just a little bit more, you know, uh, having late night conversations with friends and, you know, wasting time together and and all the things that really make people um, bonded to each other uh, for life. That's awesome. I'm the exact same way. My mom has told me frequently, Maddie, I get that you have a goal and I get that you (laughs) want to finish it, but like she'll force me to go out and go on walks with people or go hang out with friends. And in the end, I'm very happy I did. So that's great advice. Moms are often right. (laughs) (laughs) Very much, very much. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Duckworth, for sharing your advice and coming on our podcast to explain about grit. It was awesome having you on. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you, Taylor. I love this conversation. I wish both of you the best of luck as well. I loved our time with Dr. Duckworth. That was awesome.
It really was. Um, I just want to point out something that stuck out to me. Um, I don't know what stuck out. I feel like different things stick out for different people. But the one point that I really loved that she made was quit on a good day. And if you quit on a good day, then you know you don't like it. Um, And so I feel like, at least for me, and I feel like for a lot of people, when somebody says, oh, yeah, I quit this. Or, yeah, I quit this. Not because of, like, financial strain or anything. just, Just out of their own, oh, I quit piano. Or I quit this. I feel like I take that as a sign of weakness. Oh, you weren't good enough. You couldn't do that. Or, oh, you just you just weren't up to the challenge. You just didn't have enough grit, like she said, or determination. Um, but she said that, like all of our guests, like we said, have said, follow your passion and try new things. And you can't try new things and figure out what you want to do and what you want to succeed at without quitting. So I feel like that's a mindset people need to have and not judge people as much. Oh, that person quit that person's just experimenting and trying new things. And I just, I love that point. Quit on a good day. Like that's going to stick with me for years. I love that point. And I'm so glad that she brought that up. Uh, That was one of my favorite points of many in her book. Then there's another interesting thing. A lot of people mention um, you are who your friends are. We've had two people uh, in particular, Fitz Hill, and um, I believe Dr. John McManus. So those are two of our interviews that mentioned peer pressure and not to give into bad peer pressure. But everyone forgets that there's also such thing as good peer pressure, and then it can develop grit in you and it can help you. Well, grit is passion and perseverance. So it helps you um, develop that, or it's just part of the culture. So you just do it. It's a habit. There's another point that we've had a lot of people say that you should try lots of things. Um, and Dr. Duckworth added to that, like Maddie said, a lot of developing your passion and getting to that, what you really want to do, all develops around the stuff that you don't want to do. So you try lots of things and the things that you don't like, you just write off like, oh, I really don't like working in a lab with no sunlight all the time. That like Dr. Duckworth said. Um, and that's that's a great point. A lot of finding your passion is trying lots of things and really not what you don't want to do. Yeah. And then I liked her advice because it was super personal to me because I'm exactly like her. Be more social. Yeah, I put academics ahead of people a lot of the time. And my parents will force me and say, Maddie, you need, you need to go on a walk. You need to go hang out with your friends. And I'm not happy at that point. But after I do it, I'm just completely grateful. Like parents, I don't know about y'all. My parents are right literally every time. And it gets annoying. <laughs> but they're here to help me. So I liked her advice on being more social. Yes, for sure. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was awesome advice. And it was like very unique. We've never had that advice on our podcast. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's really unique perspective and a lot of really unique points that like Paul Jarvis, like his book, it kind of went against what was commonly known and commonly believed. And she's, I feel like she's the same way. It's really cool. For sure. Well, we also have some announcements. Um, obviously, go check out our website, aimingforthemoon.com. We post on our blog. Um, we post all kinds of stuff. Maddie, what are some examples? <laughs> um, so, yes, Taylor, we have profiles of all the guests that we do, and you can see what they look like. If I was listening to this, I'd want to know what they looked like. Um, you can have a short biography and links to books if they're an author. We also have a series called Podcast Blogs, where we give more of a personal spin on what it's like to do run a podcast. And we have, we'll review books called Maddie's or Taylor's Opinion. And on that note, I have picked a new book that I'm going to be reading. Um, it was recommended 
recommended to us by Paul Jarvis. It's Deep Work by Cal Newport. I'll start reading that this week and I'll come out with in a couple weeks with a Maddie's opinion. So yeah. For sure. And if you haven't listened to that episode already, Paul Jarvis was a great interview. So go check out that interview. Um, I believe that's episode 13, 14. I don't know. We have so many. I've lost track. <laughs> yeah, we've, we're still editing a lot of them right now. Um, and we're constantly in communication with more authors and mm-hmm. people. Lots. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's really fun. Um, so yes, that was a spectacular interview. I loved all the time during it. Um, and I hope you guys did too. So don't forget, write, subscribe, share the podcast with your friends, family members, your uncles that you see once a year. Uh, <laughs> and oh gosh, don't forget, set your sights high and aim for the moon. <laughs>